This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm here with uh, Mark Immelman. Mark, uh, how was Memphis? Memphis was good, man. Uh, it's always a good spot. I love Memphis. Memphis, it's a cool town, cool folks around you, great food, great vibe, and and the golf course is great. And honestly, the World Golf Championships, uh, I think, turned out really well for FedEx. You know, being the first time over here, obviously they had the FedEx St Jude Classic for many, many moons, and so much great work they do for the St Jude Children's Hospital. But it was good, you know, good field. They had the Power Boys up there at the back of the field too, and that was that was cool for the fans and definitely for the show. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of intrigue specifically over the final pairing, which we'll talk about it in a second, uh, in the last WGC, WGC of the year. We're going to talk about St. Jude. We're going to talk about TPC Southwind. Uh, but I want to start with the guy who won it. Seems like a good place to start. Brooks Kepka. He bucks the trend, Mark. Uh, this is not a major last time I checked, but it is a big event. And I think the thing that, uh, we're, we're sort of missing here or that I was missing, there was a lot at stake on Sunday. He was playing for, not only the 1.7 million of the WGC, but uh, ending the year or ending the uh, regular season atop the FedEx Cup rankings, he basically walked away with around, I don't know, I think like four mil, five mil on Sunday. I, I couldn't keep track of all the different ways he was making money. Were you surprised at all with the way he kind of dominated Rory on Sunday? A little bit, but I tell you what, there was an early shot fired across the bow. Now I don't know if this was intentional or not, but. You know, 45 minutes before the final tea time, Brooks Kepka hadn't arrived on site yet. And typically, <laughs> I know. You know, these guys, they'll give themselves at least an hour, you know, and that's to warm up. And so that means you'll get there, you know, some guys two hours before the time, some guys an hour and a half or so. You get in there, you have something to eat because you've got an afternoon time and such. And, and Brooks came cruising in there, didn't look as flustered as anything. I mean, he was like, whatever, this is just another round. And he showed that the entire way, and it looked like – I wouldn't say, um, like he didn't care, but it looked like he didn't care because he was like, I'm coming here to play golf. This is not a big deal for me. Uh, it was a big deal, clearly. And he opened up, obviously, with a torrid start and just buried Rory from the start. And, and that's with respect to McElroy, who was playing very well, just couldn't buy a putt in the final day. So I, I found that intriguing. Now, I don't know if he was late or there was traffic or whatever the case might be, but you'd figure for a, uh, for a, I think it was a 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern tea time. You know, could get there well before the time. But it spoke to who Brooks was. I mean, the confidence level is off the charts right now. He said so. I mean, he said, I'm enjoying playing golf. I believe I can beat anyone. And he sort of said this with much conviction and he proved it once again. Yeah, he, he really did. The, the, the not caring thing is really interesting. Like, I can't tell if he, is just kind of playing into it now or like the the thing I keep going back to Mark I think the the amount that he cares or doesn't care or whatever I think I think he does care yeah but I, but I think he cares the the right amount if that makes sense in terms of like 
to, to buy into all of this emotionally week after week after week, you just, it, you can burn yourself out really quickly. And, and you've been really close to, uh, just sort of that scene and, and, and you, and you've seen guys that it's like, it, it just, you're emotionally spent after a week or two weeks, especially after a major. Yeah. And, and it just feels like what he's doing right now. And maybe, maybe your opinion differs, but it feels like what he's doing right now and has done the last two years, at least emotionally and, and mentally is, is sustainable. It feels like, and, and like maybe this doesn't go on forever. And obviously at some point it comes to an end, but it, it feels like it can go on for a really long time just because of the way he handles everything mentally and emotionally. Well, two things to bear in mind. Um, great Bob Jones, who's my hero, said that golf is a game played on a five-inch fairway. It's that space between your ears. And, and Brooks Koepka's got that lot figured out. And and someone once said to me, and I say this to a lot of my clients, be, them, be, be they professionals or beginners or college golfers, uh, the, the observation was that golf only becomes hard if you really care. And and. Brooks cares. I mean, there's no doubt about this. He, he cares. He's a competitor. He wants to win. He's building his resume. But he understands this golf thing. And, and, and he just gets the fact that, you know, golf, you can be fallible. And golf, you've got to be patient. And golf, you've got to do all these cliches. And he's figured out the way he's got to do it. Now, if that's, you know, sort of um, discounting certain rounds of golf or not, 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 not making as big a deal about it somehow, I don't know how he does it because – it's it's hard, you know, when there's so much on the line, all these points, all these accolades, player of the year, all this sort of stuff. But he just seems like this is him coming to play golf with his buds on a Sunday afternoon. He'd shown up after the family lunch, you know, got golf clubs, two jumping jacks, three drives, a few putts, and off I go. And I shoot, you know. So, so it is curious. It's curious, but in the same vein, it's fascinating. And in a similar vein, he looks like he's cottoned onto something the Tiger Woods had, and that was when he got into contention. Jack Nicklaus, the same thing. When they got into contention, they knew what they had to do to bring out their best, and Brooks seems to do this time and time again. So contrast that with Rory. Does Rory care too much? Does he just didn't make putts on Sunday? Like, what's the... I don't know. Like, the whole Rory thing is is so interesting. I think he's the most interesting guy in golf to talk about, and... It felt like he was in kind of a, a lose-lose position on Sunday, whereas, like, if he had won the tournament, people would have used it to kind of point back to Portrush and say, well, what happened there? And yeah. now that he's lost, everybody's like, well, yeah, of course. Like, Brooks is is just the he's just the better Rory or the better version of Rory or whatever. And so I, I kind of felt for him in that, like, it, it, it really felt like a no-win situation on Sunday. You know, that's a good call, Kyle. And, and all I can point back to is – on Wednesday when I got on premises in the morning, he was out playing a practice round, just him by himself uh, with Harry Diamond, his caddy, and they were spending a lot of time, you know, charting greens, hitting shots around the surfaces, and, and he looked like he was all in. I mean, he wasn't showing up, and this wasn't ceremonial, and, and then the first day, he played a bit tight, and then the second round, we had him on PGA Tour Live, and so we saw every shot, and he shot four under, but it looked like it could have been so much better because the swing was... Unin, uh, uninhibited. There, there was a there, there was a freedom about him, and and he was hitting good putts and stuff. And that turns into 62 on Saturday, which was virtuoso. I've got to tell you, I mean that round was so good because by my count there were 12 hole locations. I was out on the course with Matthew Wolf that morning. There were 12 hole locations that were cut within four paces of the edge of the hole. So they had hidden some of these flags, and he goes out and shoots 62, which was like Rory, like we expect. And, and I think today I don't know if it was too much care. I want to put it on the putter because 
you know, there was a huge discrepancy between Saturday where he made just about everything he looked at and Sunday where I think the total feet worth of putts that he made was something about, you know, 55 feet or so. So he's basically making a few three footers on every hole. And, and, and so it's on the putter, but, you know, Brooks came out to the quick start and, and closed the lead and sort of kept the pedal down. And when you're playing chase, even for Rory, you know, that's a hard deal to do, especially if someone is as dominant and almost got, the, I wouldn't say the mental ascendancy because these guys are all good, but it appears that Brooks has just got a little something on, on the PGA Tour fields that, that, that no one else has. Yeah, I think we get a little wound up sometimes of like trying to use like 18, like single rounds or even single events to like project onto entire careers. And it's like, well, maybe you just didn't make putts. You know, like maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. I will say coming into Sunday, Rory uh, was negative strokes gained on approach shots. And so there was a little bit of like forewarning of like, Hey, you know, maybe he's keeping it together with the putter with, with somebody like Rory, who's that good though. You don't know, like, is his approach game going to catch up with this putter or is everything going to kind of take a step back if, if he stops uh, hitting a couple of putts? And, well, and that's, that's kind of what we saw on Sunday. Well, what happened was, you know, I looked through the numbers because we were covering him uh, the first day. He just wasn't there. Like I say, he looked like he played tight. The second day, it was better uh, iron game-wise. And the targets here at TPC Southwind are sort of small. They're perched up, and you can get in the wrong sides of some of the holes, and they were fast. So, you, you know, you might hit one that catches a slope and ends up off the green, and all of a sudden, you've got 10 of 18 greens. Then again, then on Saturday, he turns it around and... and Proximity of 27 feet, which is uh, really good, you know, an average approach shot coming from about 160 yards. Then on Sunday, the iron game wasn't as sharp, but again, it's to me, it's all on the putter. I mean, on Sunday, he's 53rd in the field of 63 on the greens, and I'm looking at the number right now. Made 60 feet of putts, and you divide that by 18. So what's that like? Four or five feet a hole. <laughs> so, so, so it's on the putter for me for Rory. The golf swing looked fantastic. I mean, there was one hole 14, which is a brute of a downhill par three, and stuff can only go wrong. In fact, right before him, Alex Norrin, who's sort of on the FedEx Cup playoffs bubble, you know, hits it in the water twice and makes a horrific score and basically goes from being guaranteed in the playoffs to now having to sweat next week. Um, so if things go wrong there. Um, Brooks gets up and hits it on the left edge of the green, the safety shot first. And and I remember saying, well, Rory doesn't need to panic and do something silly because stuff only goes wrong over here. I mean, there were only like eight birdies on the back right hole location. But he gets up there with seven iron and just takes dead aim and flushes this thing at a back hole location, which was – it was superhuman. And if you are doubtful with your iron game, you are not taking on that golf shot. You're hitting the safety out to the left, and you're putting three on the card. So I'm, I'm not going to blame the swing. It's on the putter. It's one of those things. Sadly for Rory, it's 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 visual. It's like Tiger. It's talked about. And so as soon as there's a misstep, it's like you point out, you know, well, what's the matter? Something must be up. I do wonder. I was thinking about this on Sunday as I was kind of watching these guys. I wonder what Rory thinks Whenever he looks at Kepka, whenever he's, cause they were, like you said, you, you were covering him. They're, they're paired together the first couple rounds. They're paired together on Sunday with a ton of money at stake. Um, and you know, obviously Kepka has, has had a ton of success at the majors the last couple of years in a way that Rory hasn't. And I, I just, I, I wonder like when they get to the first tee, when they're on the 11th fairway, when they finish up on 18, I wonder what Rory is thinking about when he looks at Kepka when he watches him play, when he watches him win, 
like is he is he thinking like I don't know how I'm gonna beat this guy or like is he is he thinking uh man it'd be, you know I'd, I'd love to trade blows with this guy for the next ten years I I I wonder like get inside his head for a second what do you think he sees when he when he looks at Kepka? Well, the the sports psychologist answer is, or I guess me being in golf for so long. The savvy individual, if you get past the emotion of it, and that's the first thing Rory would have to do, or anyone really who's being beaten up by Brooks Kepka right now, is look at the thing and go, golf is cyclical. Remember, just a few years ago, Rory was this guy. No one could beat him. Every time he played, he shot in the 60s, he was dominant. Then it was Jordan Spieth. Obviously, in the past, it was Tiger. Vijay Singh. Everyone goes through these runs. So the savvy, the, 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 the person who knows the game knows that, okay, this, there'll be a downturn at some stage and, and, and putts will lip out and such. So that's what you've got to tell yourself. I don't, maybe, I mean, if I look at Brooks Kepka, I, I think to myself, I'm like, what on earth is this guy eating? And man, goodness gracious. <laughs> How about these guns? I'm like, check out the state of this guy. He looks like a linebacker. Uh, and, and I, I, so I think for Rory, he probably looks at the guy, appreciates who he is physically, appreciates the run he's on. But for Rory, he should sit with himself and go, I've been that guy. You know, I've been the guy that everyone ogled over my golf swing. In fact, they still do. I've been the guy that when I hit tee shots, people's eyes stand out on stalks. You know, I'm the guy that could shoot 62 in the blink of an eye. I mean, he did 61 to win in Canada. So, so he's got to remind himself of that. But all you can do is look on at Brooks Kepka and Marvel. I mean, me as a golf teacher, everyone on the tour, I'll tell you on the range. It's like everyone's got eyes and, and ears on stalks and they're looking out to see who's doing what because what's the next secret? And clearly Brooks has it, but he plays stuff so close to the vest. No one knows what's going on. Yeah, I, I know it, it, it is interesting. And I, I just, I don't know. I think my takeaway from Sunday and, and from this weekend in general, uh, just kind of wrapping up the Rory Brooks stuff is I wasn't necessarily surprised by Sunday. I think Kepka. You know, and if you look at their numbers, like Tita Green, they weren't that much different. It's just Kepka hit everything. I mean, I think he finished number one in strokes game putting, not only on Sunday, but for the week. And if you give, I don't know, man, like if you give any of the top 12 guys in the world a number one strokes game putting week, they're probably going to win because those are the best, those are the best ball strikers in the world. So, uh, not super surprised by Sunday. I did think, I, I think the Rory stuff is going, and, and I was texting with some friends about this. I think it's going a little bit too far the other way of like, oh, well, he, he's the opposite of Brooks. He only shows up at non-majors and it's like, oh, maybe, but like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like we've kind of swung too far maybe the other way with him of like, oh, well, he can't get it done when it matters. And it's like, well, did you watch the players? Did you watch Sunday in Canada? Like th- those, those were real things that happened, you know, 30 days ago and, and 110 days ago. Like I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think we have a tendency to kind of over, <laughs> I know this is shocking, but I think we have a tendency to overreact in the moment based on, uh, what, what has just taken place. Well, I, I agree. Um, but I want to say to you, the season is not over. This was a big victory for Brooks and, and I, I think potentially has locked up the player of the year thing again. Um, yeah. With a major championship run and now the World Golf Championships win, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, given the golf courses and given Rory's propensity for playing East Lake well, that he finishes off the season with a bang like he has. And and the again, what the fans, in my opinion, need to comprehend is this golf thing is hard, and winning on the PGA Tour is difficult, and every 
so often we get a person that goes on one of these purple patch runs and we then they, they make us believe it's easy. Mm-hmm. I got to say to you, it's not easy. And what Brooks Kepka is doing, he's in a place where he's playing kind of like the shooter in basketball where the balls are just going in from wherever he's shooting them. Um, and this stuff will level off. Um, he's, he's playing fantastic golf. McElroy's playing fantastic golf. I mean, heck, he's second on the FedEx Cup points list and I believe his ranking is third in the world or something like that. So just, you know, a few bounces here and a few putts there and everything could be different. So there's a whole lot to play for. And, and I think who's winning in the end here is the fans because you've got a few titans of the game who are playing well and, and it's just fun for us to watch them go head to head. Yeah. And I think, I think your point about it leveling off is interesting because it's so easy when you get to the top, when you're, when you're Spieth, when you're Rory, when you're Kepka, you have every opportunity in the world to be distracted by any number of things. And we've seen that for other guys. It's hard, it's so hard to not be distracted. And I'm curious for somebody like Kepka, who seems so insulated, who seems so in his own world, I, I'm curious what the distractions are. What, what's the thing that gets him, you know, off the tracks? What's the thing that, that potentially derails him just not, not a ton, but just a little bit to the point where he's number 12 in the world and not number one, or he's number eight in the world and not number one. I, I, that, that part I'm really curious about over the next couple of years. Well, there are a few things. I mean, I've got some insight because I've gotten to know him some and, and we've talked about this. The one thing that I think he's got going for him or two really physically, um, with the golf swing, I must hand some credit to Claude Harmon who, he, he's got a philosophy with Brooks and all they're trying to hit is a fade shot. And Claude's opinion on this is like, why try and perfect two styles of play, like a draw and a fade or a high and a low, if you can't, uh, if you can't do them both well. So why don't you just do one thing well? And that's the approach with Brooks. He's like, he's just going to hit this hard cut. And so he's getting to a place where he can sort of rely on that. So he makes targets wider. So as a result, when he's not on completely, he can skate by like the the first round when he didn't play very well. He still shot under par because there wasn't a two-sided miss. So I figure, you know, that's a physical deal that he's got going on for him. Um, mentally, it, it was hard scrabble for Brooks for a while, and he was never the star. You know, when he was a junior golfer, he was good, but he wasn't highly recruited. He went to Florida State, and he wasn't the main guy. They actually told me so, and, and he really only began to win one or two events in his senior year, I think it is. And then he had to go to Europe and play on the Challenge Tour, and so he wasn't the glitterati of the game. So I feel like well, with all of the stuff coming to him right now, he's still playing with a healthy chip on his shoulder. And all the money and all the accolades and stuff is, I think, sort of pales in significance because he's wanting to show folks who he always believed he really was, even though the other guys were winning this event and that event and quickly onto the tour and, and all these big endorsement deals and stuff where, where, you know, like, you know, that bulletin board material where Brooks isn't on some pre-tournament flyer. Well, he gets off on that sort of stuff. And so I think <laughs> actually that's actually helpful to him because He's, he's, he's the poster boy, clearly, but he isn't really, because when Ricky's in the field, everyone talks about him. Everyone yeah. talks about Rory. Everyone talks about Tiger. And I think he has the number one golfer in the world who, to use the Roddy Dangerfieldism, is not getting any respect. And that is right up Brooks's alley. And I think that's keeping him with both feet flat in the ground. And it's keeping him in the gym. And it's keeping him on the driving range. And it's keeping him focusing on what he's going to do to play well when it counts. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch him, uh, kind of 
end out the season here uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs and then into next year. Because, um, like I said, it it does at times feel like it just could go on for three, four, five, six years. I, can you give me a little Matthew Wolf? Can I get some? Can I get some Matthew Wolf insight from you? I, you? Was that was that your first time up close? I've met him one time before with George Gankus, who I've you know I've had on my podcast. And George is a, a funny guy, and he's a good golf instructor, and I like his approach because. You know, he hasn't conformed to the nor- the perceived norm, uh, I guess, in like Brooks Kepka in a way. And, and so, and so I met Matthew at the Travelers when he came out and I think it was his first event as a pro and he was a little nervous, but you know, he was out there and doing his thing. And, and so it was my first time covering an entire round of golf of his. And, and look, the physical gifts are obvious. Uh, the, he's got speed. He's got power. He's got a charisma about him. I mean, he's got the wolf pack out there and the guys howling and stuff when he's playing. And, and so he's, the, the legend is growing. But I got to tell you, I mean, this is a guy who is so humble and who's so unassuming. It, it, it was somewhat surprising to me because the persona that I'd perceived watching him on TV as a collegian and watching interviews and stuff and sort of watching social media, I thought this guy was a bit of a hot shot. Well, in chatting to him on the course, Kyle, he's the furthest thing from. I mean, this guy is just down home, down to earth, um, really easygoing, funny as rip, was joking with me on 18 in the third round. Yeah, we were covering him shooting that 65. And 18 is that dogleg left par five, and there's nothing but trouble left and right. And it's like 310 over the water has it in the left, and he just gets up there and freaking bludgeons one over the corner of the water through the fairway, which is about 350. And so he walks off the tee and I turn around and I sort of, you know, make a bicep and point at it and he sort of does two and comes running up to me. And I'm like, well, nice tee shot. Went too far, man. And he goes, yeah, just so you know, they drug tested me yesterday. So you know, I'm clean. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and just the way he shared the story, it was like, just like a little kid having some fun. And so, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I know in media we're not supposed to be, but this boy's legit. And he's uh, and he's pretty easygoing and pretty cool, and so I, I think the legend will just continue to grow. Yeah, he's great. I, I was around him a little bit, uh, covering some Oklahoma State stuff in the last couple of years, in the last few years, and uh, there's a little electricity around him. I, I don't know. I haven't been around him probably in I don't know nine months or so, but just I don't know. Like there's just something about him that feels special, and I know that sounds that sounds absurd to people who haven't talk to him or been around him but i don't know there's a few guys out there that you talk to him and you're like man this this is just different and yeah. I, I it's hard to explain well he's got stark quality i mean he's got sort of the 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 john wayne kind of looks he's dark and he's tall and he's he's, he's got it all going on and he's well spoken but but he, he shows emotion too which i like and you know we interviewed him afterwards and i you know had the microphone in his face and I asked him, you know, typical opener, and then the second question I asked him, because he had admitted this earlier this uh, last week, um, before the World Golf Championships events, that this uh, it was the first time the victory had actually settled in, and he had gotten to think about this. So I just pitched him a question like, well, you know, it's been a whirlwind since you turned pro and out of college, and I mean, you admitted the thing settled in. Just talk us through what has been this 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 odyssey really and and he sort of spoke through it and spoke of being so thankful to everyone and he was give, you know sort of saying all the right things and 
and I was charmed by his response. And then there was one more question. Then we switch off, and afterwards he looks at me and he smiles. He goes, "Man, I was getting quite choked up over there," and and I didn't see it, you know, because he disguised it very well. But but he has he's a very emotional sort too, and and all of the great champions who have had people latch onto them, and I think of an Arnold Palmer, they let you in. Uh, um, and like, like you know what Jordan Spieth is, what's going on in his head, and you know what John Rahm's got going on in his head, and you know what Rory's got going on in his head. And then certain folks are the deadpan; they they lock you out. Where Wolf <laughs> is, is emotion, there's an emotion about him which I think is going to attract more folks, and there certainly is a star quality, like you say. I mean, it's palpable. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, I got two other things real quick for you. We, we've talked, you and I have talked about, and we, we sort of talked about this in the context of different majors, but just underrated guys this season. And, you know, we talked about Xander. We talked about Patrick Cantlay. I think I threw Adam Scott in there like one or 15 times. And <laughs> it played well again. The, the guy, the guy that popped up this week for me is, uh, is Webb. <laughs> he never gets any love. And you watch next uh, at, at the Wyndham Championship. That dude's probably going to win. I mean, you don't name your daughter. After a golf tournament, if you don't like the place and you don't play well, I mean, his daughter Wyndham, she goes by Winnie. Uh, Sedgefield is like his own personal playground. So you're right. I mean, this is a guy who's gonna. He's already way up in the rankings. He's had a banner year, Players Champion last year, and he's playing awesome. And you know, he's an event in Sedgefield at the Wyndham that suits his game. And then, you know, Northern Trust, um, it's a good ball striker's place. And then you go to. You know, a couple of events where I feel he can, he can play well, especially at East Lakes. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's part of the reckoning at the end of the year. Yeah, he, he finishes second this week. He finishes runner up to, to Kepka. And he hasn't finished outside the top 30 mark since the, uh, well, at a stroke play event since Honda back mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year. He finished, <laughs> this is like the most buried top five finish of all time, but he finished T5 at the Masters. Uh, he finished, uh, T2 at the Canadian Open. Most uh, folks, see, most folks couldn't tell you who finished second at the Masters anyway with a Tiger victory. I mean, that's, that's him finishing fifth and no one knowing about it is no big deal, really. Do you know who he tied uh, with for fifth? There's three other guys. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it went Tiger, Tiger, uh, then DJ Kepka and Xander were T2, and then Webb, Finau, which makes sense, Molinari and Jason Day were T5 at the Masters. <laughs> Once you got past Tiger, it was like whatever, man. I don't even care. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. The thing about Webb to me is, 
his game is strong because there's no real weakness. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he, he's not long off the tee, but he's not short. Uh, iron play, he's very good, and he hits his irons longer than he hits his driver. We were talking about this, he and I, and his technique, and his style has him sort of download and and really beef up the club face in the downswing, so he can hit the irons a long way. So it makes up for some of the driver distance discrepancy. And and then around the greens, you know, he's a underrated scrambler. And now, I mean, crazy, this is a guy that. At one stage, considered giving up the game after that anchored ban was hand, handed down. Then he hooked up with Tim Clark on a putting green at the Players Championship. In fact, and Clarky said to him, "Big guy, just consider the 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 the, the arm lock method," which he did. And then he committed to it so much, he told me he broke the belly putter he was using, so he couldn't go back to that thing. <laughs> and, and look at him now. I mean, check this out. This week, Simpson, or this week at the World Golf Championships event, was third in the field putting. And he was fifth in the field on strokes gained approach. And if you had good irons and you putt well, you're a match for just about every man. Yeah, for sure. Okay, last thing I got real quick. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I, I I was talking to somebody. I haven't totally done the math on this. He finishes, uh, last time I looked, he was T14. And he finishes T14 with two triples and two doubles, which feels impossible to do. And if all of those had just been pars, he would have matched Kepka for his score this week. Hey, you know what? If I had a million dollars, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Come on, Carl. But yes, if those were if those were just pars, you know, every golfer's been this before. You're you're absolutely right. But you know, for Jordan, things are trending. Don't get me wrong. We I watched him play. He was part of our feature group coverage. There are certainly things going in the right direction. But there are situations right now on the golf course that are still challenging the uh, the the lack of trust. I would say in the golf swing or. The, the the lack of making whatever the adjustments he and Cameron McCormick have um, um, engineered, there's a lack of them really settling down. So when there's a situation where it's a demanding tee shot or problems down the left-hand side or down the right, you can see how he just doesn't have the swagger to be able to get up there say, okay – I'm sending this thing down the left side and it's cutting away from the problem like a Brooks Kepka would do. And, and so so that's why I feel like when the heat's really on, like for argument's sakes, let's say he's a part of the mix at the Tour Championship where he plays very, very well, okay? Um, you get a whole – now it's the 8th. It used to be the 17th. All that water down the left-hand side, Eastlake Clubhouse, you know, that's in the psyche and he's going to blow one to the right hand side. And, and there's situations like that that are still exposing a golfer and it's a tough place to be for the competitive player. And, and, and it takes one, a person who's tremendously mentally resolute and resilient to get by that. But you've also got to have the physical skills in there. So he, he'll keep working on it. I know he will. He's putting well. So he's making a lot of birdies, but it's just got to iron out that those one or two errant tee shots around that are causing him the big number. Well, it is crazy, uh, and what and what you said, and and the point that I was kind of bringing up earlier is he, he's the, he, throughout the year he's made a ton of birdies. That's not the issue. Like he's scoring a ton, but the, it's these doubles and triples, and he just he gets himself into so much trouble by hitting you know balls in the water, by you know three putting after a hitting it out of bounds, like and and it's just you can't you can't contend like that. I mean, it's a it's a miracle that he's finishing in the top twenty. By making two triples and two doubles in in a in a tournament, I mean that's crazy. Well, check and this out: the, the 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 triple, the two triples in the first round that came on holes twelve and fifteen, 
Both of them are difficult driving holes. 15 is not as hard as 12. It's narrow. You've got trees down left and right. 12, there's water down the right-hand side. He drove it in there because if you miss it left, it's just as dangerous in the Bermuda Rough, but it's not a penalty area. Drives it in the water, makes triple. Then on 12, in the final round, after he's um, four under, pardon me, even par for the day, he just made a birdie on 10, drives it there crooked on 12 again and makes another double on the same hole. The other double he made in the final round was on seven, another tough driving hole. So you can see it's situational, and there are just certain areas where the the demands of the shot are exposing the, the inabilities with the driver. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, he'll be there next week at the Wyndham. Uh, you and I have already picked Webb. We don't even need to do a preview next week. We just picked Webb. And, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this, Mark. Hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in Memphis. Likewise, man. And I want to say this. You know what? Jordan going to Sedgefield is great for the field. The fans there are awesome. Wyndham put on a tremendous job. The golf course is so cool. He'll play well there. Of that, I'm convinced, although there are a few tight tee shots. But a story for me is I want to see Bill Haas play well. He has played well there before. You know, he's at a spot in the season now where he needs a big finish. And, and so he's also had some success. He went to school down the road at Wake Forest. So there are going to be some cool storylines at the end of the season. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's always an, an interesting deal with guys, uh, you know, kind of staring at the at the FedEx Cup, the, you know, keeping your card line, and uh, th- there'll be a lot going on. It, it, it's it's always one of the more intriguing non you know non WGC non major weeks of the year. So we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Uh, this week was fun. It was a great little uh, you know take your breath, take take a deep breath after a major championship. Nice little reprieve. And uh, now we'll head into the uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs here in a few weeks. Yeah, listen, I just want to say that the folks here in Memphis love you. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I give them my best on your way out. That's great. I'll give them all a kiss. <laughs> okay, Mark. We'll talk to you later. Take care, bro. See you.